0: Every Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. No one joining me, Leo Cox, in Sound of Play 247. It's just you and I. The first all-request show I've done for about three months, I think. Something like that. It's been a while anyway. had a lot of guests from the community and uh, the contributors. One or two composers, a few people from elsewhere as well other podcasts and so on and so forth. Got a composer guest lined up for a show coming up soon. We've also had some of Ryan's mega mixes as well, of course. So I thought it was high time we caught up with some of your requests. We normally have a few in each show, but this is all about your picks. Head over to canarince.com slash forum. Find the Sound of Play thread and make your picks in there. You can embed them with YouTube links so we can have a look and a listen as well. And uh, once every so often, they get, well, they all get put into the, uh, the big grab bag of picks. And in each case, I pull some out for a show like this. Normally, I curate them based on things that I'm interested to hear, tunes that I like, games that I've played. Sometimes I just hear them for the first time, like the request and stick them in. So we've got a bit of a, a mixed bag here of various types of things. If there is a, a, a theme, there isn't really a theme. But if there was one, uh, there's a few pieces that I would say are possibly anthemic, somewhat anthemic sounding. But actually, that doesn't apply to probably about half the the pieces I've selected for you here, including the one that opened the show, which is uh, the lovely title of Silver Ice Sheet by Sion Nishigaki. And that was requested by Shadowless Kick, who says Silver Ice Sheet is the stage four theme from Capcom's Shoot'em Up 19XX. The War Against Destiny. It's one of those tracks that managed to cut through the din of the noisy arcade and make a real impression on me on the few occasions I was able to play this game in the wild. I love the laid-back, almost loungy vibe of its main groove, which makes for an interesting contrast with the dogfighting action it accompanies. Yeah, so 19xx is the fifth game in the 1940 or 19xx series. Started with 1942, of course, back in the early 80s. One of Capcom's earliest arcade machines, 1984. And uh, they followed that up with 1943. And then they did a sort of guide end to that game, which is kind of a substantial remix called 1943 Kai. The difference, the main difference between 1942 and 1943 was the fact that 1943 actually had music Star music. 1942 has this weird kind of constant shrill, percussive, drum and whistle kind of sound which is kind of hypnotic and to me iconic but not necessarily that easy on the ear compared to something like the tune we've just heard which as I say came from the, the fifth game in a series from the mid-90s I think it was, about 1996, The War Against Destiny and the final game by Capcom in-house studios although actually these were by Eighting and Raising for Capcom but the, the final uh, Japanese-developed game in the 1940-whatever-you-want-to-call-it series was uh, 1944, The Loopmaster. That was uh, in, in, in the year 2000. And that was recently put on the, as part of the Koch Media uh, Capcom Home Arcade, that very expensive but uh, rather delightful compilation of uh, emulated coin ops within that uh that capcom logo stick which i know is very divisive but uh it's something that's still on my wish list they don't i don't think they've added to it in any way it's still got the same rather excellent but limited selection of 16 titles uh, on a a machine that was 200 pounds at launch i think you can now get it for 160 170. it is a very nice piece of kit like even if you don't like the look of the stick the the twin stick which is the the capcom logo it's, uh, it's, it's very nicely made by all accounts, and the emulation is pretty decent. There's, of course, a, a digital foundry that goes into the, the nitty-gritty, and there are some uh, negatives to the, the setup. But overall, John Linneman, our friend, was uh, pretty complimentary about the, the package. It includes some really uh, excellent s- stuff by Capcom that isn't normally a default inclusion, in the uh in their lineups, particularly of note is of course alien versus predator, the licensed scrolling brawler from i think about ninety four and that is uh no it's no it's later than that alien versus predator i think it must be anyway um it was yeah it's uh it's a very nice thing that I would like to own and just haven't quite managed to justify the outlay but uh I'll be happy to play some loop master once uh, once i can get that machine into my life but thanks for the pick shadowless kick next up we have a game that we've covered on our other podcast cane and rinse where we deep dive review and we've done every major numbered game in the final fantasy series over the preceding couple of years i didn't manage to keep up with that series entirely but i managed to host a number of those shows my thanks again, my gratitude to particularly Leah and Josh from the Cana team who were on every single one of those Final Fantasy shows, I believe, playing 1 to 15 and uh, I think hopefully getting something out of it. This is a pick from Final Fantasy Nine And James McCall on Facebook requested this one. It says, having recently replayed Final Fantasy Nine due to its Nintendo Switch release, the only Final Fantasy game I've ever finished, I was reminded how much I love the music. It's so beautiful and really fits the game wonderfully. One of the standout tracks for me is Roses of May. Such a magical tune, of course created by the legendary Nobuo Umatsu. Twenty years ago now Final Fantasy IX. you can play it on current systems thankfully that's Roses of May by Oematsu and no doubt we'll be hearing from him again as we have many times in the past on Sound of Play so Final Fantasy 9 was one of the games in the series that I did manage to play through for the show on the PS4 version which allows uh, has a few little what you'd call quality of life tweaks to make getting through the game slightly easier even just the fact that the disk access times are no longer there as such, compared to particularly the the PS1 with its notoriously slow CD times one speed, when that was something you had to think about, how fast your CD drive was compared to the default standard. Um, And it's, yeah, it's very nice being able to now play those games without some of those wrinkles, I think. It's, uh, it came up recently that on our forum, kainawince.com slash forum, people were talking about the best way to play Final Fantasy VI, also known as Final Fantasy III in the US, and the, the oddity that is the fact that uh, if you play the, the version that was made for the PS1, and if you play that on a PSP or a Vita, most likely as a, as a sort of emulated ROM, you still by default have to put up with the loading times even though you've got the thing digitally installed and it's running on a much more powerful machine. I think by default, it pretty much takes the same time to segue into a battle as it did on the original hardware, although I don't have a side-by-side comparison. Fortunately, you can utilise the in-software option or in-firmware option, I think it is, on the Vita or the PSP even, to speed up those access times and, and make it slightly more pleasurable. But I think the consensus was among people on the forum there's various reasons to play or avoid different versions no doubt we went into them on our final fantasy 6 podcast but the snes mini classic us final fantasy 3 is a pretty good way to play on uh, if you've got access to that now the next piece is quite a lengthy one one that you can dive into and uh, let it take you places if you want it's a, a chill uh piece of electronica from Genki Rockets and or Yuki Ichiki and or Shogo Onishi. Let me hand you over to Tastic one from the forum who says, as a massive Rez fan, I was massively excited to play the spiritual successor Child of Eden. Though I think it ultimately failed to live up to huge expectations for many reasons, I think it still delivered a pretty interesting game. Much like Rez before it, fantastic visuals paired with the sound and music create a unique experience will live in your mind long after you've finished it the track i'm requesting is called evolution which plays in the second visually stunning level was Evolution from Child of Eden, Hugh Entertainment's spiritual successor to res Came out on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 almost 10 years ago now, 2011. We spoke to producer James Milkey on a special early Canaan Rinse podcast, very early one. Uh, maybe number four, something like that. I'm looking it up. Number three. Yeah, so uh, you can hear my um, youthful. <laughs> tones uh, speaking to james about his work with q entertainment and uh, and his other work as well we also talk a bit about res we did do a res show uh, more recently thoroughly exploring that game as for child of eden yeah i only played through it a couple of times when it came out on the 360 i was intrigued by the playstation move controlled version on ps3 but uh, i don't think i've ever actually played it i have one move wand and of course those have massively escalated in value thanks to their use with psvr um and yeah i enjoyed child of eden but it's it it's got it's definitely got a very similar vibe to tetris effect that comes uh, obviously seven years after that but uh yeah it, i would i would agree that it doesn't quite hit the heights of res for various reasons but it does have its own thing going on it's uh, whereas res has this you know, this pretty don't know what the word is It's, it's it's not exactly i mean it it's still a a fairly joyful experience but it is it's it has enemies you know like it's i mean obviously child of eden still has things that you shoot the gameplay is fundamentally similar on rails pointing and shooting stuff but res has a sense of danger and threat about it whereas child of eden feels more like as with tetris effects that sort of transcendental that synesthetic it has that that it wants to move you and take you places like i don't know listening to uh getting high and listening to an osric tentacles record or something it's the sort of game video game equivalent of that even though of course yeah there are still things to beat and fate, fate, uh, fail states and, and that kind of thing but yeah um it was xbox live games with gold some time ago probably years ago now but i think it still sits in my backwards compatible xbox one library if i'm not mistaken So you might have it in a similar situation. I would say it's worth checking out, especially if you ever loved any of uh, Mizuguchi's other games of similar ilk, or, well, similar or different ilk, but with his sort of famous um, trademark sensibilities. Yeah, check it out. Different mood, different tone. I was talking earlier about potentially anthemic sounding stuff. This is epic and something a bit more stirring in a different kind of way. Dom's Beard wants this tune from Yakuza Zero. It says, when this one kicks in, as the final fight begins, so I suppose you could say spoilers, but it's the music. It matches the whole fight perfectly. Well, I won't say who's involved. We played this earlier in the year for our first ever Yakuza Cane and Rinse podcast. Check it out. Extended on Patreon or the free version on Spotify in the usual, and the usual Apple places and Android places. Uh, This is from Yakuza 0, Hidenori, Shoji and all Sega Sound Team, all of them with their two dragons. 2015 of course that first came out which seems extraordinary as i've just played it and of course it didn't arrive in the west until i think 2017 maybe yeah i think it was twenty seventeen. on the ps4 xbox one and pc but originally it was out on the pc uh, ps3 the playstation 3 in 2015 already a late release there uh, yeah that brings back some yes stirring memories from the late game in yakuza zero while i was nowhere near mastering any of the various fight styles in the game i had enough i had enough uh, skills and abilities to take down the uh, the bosses that needed to be taken down and open my route up into the yakuza series or the rest of the yakuza series starting with the first game in the yakuza series which we'll be covering later this year on kena podcast yakuza and yakuza kuwami of course which i was surprised i thought we'd already been through it but uh leah tweeted a couple of days ago at the time of recording she didn't know that kiwami means extreme of course it does. <laughs> Joe bonobo is next up and yeah again see i said anthemic this is less anthemic although i don't know it has a certain foreboding to it uh, but also sums up the opening stages and sets the atmosphere of its game Let's hear from Joe Bobonobo, who says Firewatch has one of the most gorgeous settings for a video game, the great North American wilderness. This piece by Chris Remo is one of the most distinctive and memorable in its soundtrack and is the music I associate most strongly with this title. A lovely hour representation of the beauty and loneliness such a rugged landscape can devote. That was Camp Approach from Firewatch by Campo Santo. That's Chris Remo's tune. I was lucky enough to make a podcast with Chris Remo many, many years ago when his podcast, Idle Thumbs, was still pretty new and I was podcasting with Gamer Dork and my co-host then, Neil, invited Chris Remo onto our show. And not only did he invite him on, but he also asked him to do a sort of Pash, a pastiche version of their own theme tune uh, but changing the name the the lyrics of the theme tune to utilize our own uh, with with neil doing a bit of singing on it that was a nice nice treat chris was very young at the time this was over over a decade ago i think uh, and uh yeah he was a really nice guy and obviously very talented and funny and smart and uh going to go on to great things but yeah i didn't realize he was yeah, a young bearded person much like our uh, our jacob and uh it belied his actual age at which we asked him he didn't want us to say on air how old he was because i think i think that's exactly it. he wanted to be taken seriously but he was actually a lot younger than i think most people thought based on his uh, the way he conducted himself and the fact that he had a big beard um i don't know if it's a matter of public record now but uh, you can probably find out how old he is and then work backwards as to how old he was then, but uh, yeah, good guy. Uh, maybe maybe our paths will cross again someday. I'm sure he doesn't. There you go. Now a very simple and brief request from Simon Sloth for our next piece, and this is uh, in honor of this being a cracking piece of music. As Simon Sloth says, this is one excellent piece of music, and also because there's some new XCOM out. At the time of recording, we've got the latest. Uh, I think it's a standalone, but it's a sort of extension of the XCOM 2 and War of the Chosen series. It's uh, called Chimera Squad. I think that's right. I've bought it. Uh, it was one of those where they've released it uh, at a fifty percent off price, and they've also cut price, massive uh, discounts on the rest of the XCOM series. So check that out if you're listening to this when the podcast comes out this podcast will come out on the 29th of april and i think you'll still be in time to get those delicious discounts on the excellent series on steam at least so yeah let's hear this piece as simon sloth says one excellent piece of music from xcom 2 war of the chosen it's called resistance Schneider and Chris d'ambrosio worked on the soundtrack to XCOM 2 War of the Chosen and that is was called Resistance and a lot of fun it was too I have XCOM games up the wazoo in terms of backlog but very few things would make me happier than the opportunity to sit down and just play all the way through that entire series I love those games unfairness brutality and cruelty and all I'd even happily go back and play the the original 90s titles, the original XCOM, UFO Defense, UFO Enemy Unknown, and uh, even uh, XCOM Apocalypse, Terror from the Deep. Um, There's something about those games which I just find endlessly compelling. And I think part of it is that brutality, that cruelty, that, uh, that, yes, you've got a 95% chance of hitting that alien in the face from point-blank range with a shotgun. But Sometimes you'll miss, and somehow, even though it feels unfair and cruel, it also can always justify it. You can think, "Yep, that's that last second. He had a 95% chance of hitting." But you know how in films, particularly films, and also cutscenes in video games, there's always those ex machina moments. There's this is definitely going to be the end of this person, and then something happens. Something will stop the hero being killed. Well, just put it put it that way around in your mind. Think this is the time. The alien was about to uh, buy the farm and then something, some moment of mir- miraculous happenstance, serendipity or panic on behalf of the, uh, the enemy meant that the alien lived. That's the, I think that's the way I tried to justify it anyway. That wouldn't stop me swearing and smashing things up, of course, if I was on the wrong end of a bad dice roll. RNG, thy name is cruel. Now we've got a song, an actual song by an actual band. We're dicing with death here. We might get a cease and desist yet. But it is a, an actual song and an actual band, a Scottish band. It's a song from a game. It's an end credits song and uh, from a recent game you may have heard of called Death Stranding. Stalked by Cats says the song that plays over the final, I assume, but since it's a post Metal Gear Solid 4 Kojima game, you can never re- be really sure credits of death stranding a is very catchy and b it's melancholy yet faintly hopeful its tone suits the tone of the game really well except for the parts where i get my future motorcycle stuck in between a pair of rocks cruel the the nature of the open world game always likely it's always i always get that thing now where if i get through a, a big open world game with vehicles and complicated geometry and i never have got stuck i always kind of mentally high five the developers for for having they've put in all the the safety nets and workarounds to stop the player ever getting actually stuck on scenery or falling through it or yeah uh impressive i should try to remember to positively critique those elements more when we cover open world stuff Uh, anyway i'm getting sidetracked let's hear this uh this rather nice song from uh it's quite poppy for my taste but uh but it has a uh has that epic anthemic End credits feel, and this is Death Stranding.
1: Let's make a toast to the time. Waiting for tomorrow when we're played out by the band, drowning out our sorrows. What will become of us now? At the end of time We'll be fine You and I Let's draw a line In the sun Keep it straight and narrow We had it all In our hands We begged and then we borrowed What will become The song at the end. I can't
0: From Death Stranding. By Church's Death Stranding. Another crashing gear change here. Uh, This is a really moody piece. From Yoku's Island Express. It's interesting this. Jesse Harlan the composer is best known. I would say. And uh, Jesse's IMDB would back this up. Known for Star Wars Force Unleashed. Star Wars Battlefront 2. Star Wars Republic Commando. Also Mafia 3 to be fair. So this soundtrack for Yakuza Island Express that's gained a lot of praise, deservedly so, I believe, uh, is such a departure from what we've heard from Jesse before. Instead of the, I've been lucky enough to talk to composers on this show who have had to follow in the footsteps of John Williams and do the the job of creating new Star Wars music that still sounds like old Star Wars music but isn't exactly the same. That's a, a completely, I would imagine, I'm not a composer, but such a totally different, task to creating music for a metroidvania pinball game starring a cute little insect uh which has this very and for the most part i think music has this kind of slightly tropical island kind of vibe going on but it also takes some turns into yeah the moody the jazzy the groovy and uh out down in the underdark is one such piece alex79uk simply says yoku's island express has some lovely music So let's enjoy this from Villa Gorilla from 2018. So let's enjoy this Out Down in the Underdark. From jesse harlan you can play Yoku's island express on lots of things all the current gen machines if by that you mean and include switch pc ps4 and xbox one i think it's been heavily discounted given away possibly on some services i have the switch version it feels right on there but i don't ever think unless there's a very specific Hardware reason, like I don't know, Zombie U on the Wii U, where the game is designed around it. I'm very seldom have any major qualms about playing a game on another format. And obviously, there are pros and cons. I'd imagine it runs it in higher resolutions on PC and things. But uh, but either way, yeah, check out Yakuza Island Express. Uh, A lot of people who gave it some time really fell in love with it. Well, thank you for listening. Do this all request community show thank you for keeping those requests coming in and we need them we do more of them at kenorince.com forum we still have enough to make more shows but every time a new request pops in i check it out i listen to it i add it to the sheet and then ryan or i will include it in a future show unless there are very good reasons why we can't or won't or don't um most things get thoroughly uh, considered and chances are at some point maybe years after you first requested it admittedly people will hear it but at least you'll know that if you've put the request in there's a good chance that that interesting piece of music that you like or love or hate but want to tell us why you hate it that's also interesting (laughs) Uh, that will get broadcast across the internet to a, a large audience of people where you can say give your dedication and explain why you've pick that particular tune whether you want to make people cry or torture them with it or make them fall in love with a new soundtrack or even the game that it comes from is interesting too so we close with our oldest piece on this particular show it's from the days of the chip and the days when i was when when i was 15 16 years old when this came out and i never i don't think i'd ever held an nes pad i'd only have played the original super mario brothers in the arcades But uh, this is from Retro Clarence, who says in these challenging and uncertain times, people need more Mario in their lives. This is the ending theme from Super Mario Brothers 2, one of my favourite NES tracks. Finishing the game on real hardware is a challenge. It rewards you with a triumphant first half of the track and then transitions to a more contemplative second half. I love it. Yes, I completed this on not original hardware. Of course, you can enjoy the game on Switch if you have the online account. The selection of NES games includes Super Mario Bros. 2 and I think it has Doki Doki Panic on there, but it does have both Super Mario Bros. 2s as in the lost levels as well, the Japanese Super Mario Bros. 2. That one, talking about completing that on original hardware, I just simply could never have done it. This, I probably could, Super Mario Bros. 2, the game that is Doki Doki Panic. I think one could learn to beat it through sheer pers- persistence and skill. However, I completed it recently on the NES version for the first time having played the SNES version previously and yeah I did uh, I did use a few save states to save myself some some time and effort but uh, yeah of course this game has the, the character select so you can choose the different characters Luigi with his higher slipperier, slippery, uh, slippery uh, jump and uh, and uh, then you've got floaty uh, princess peach of course the bog standard mario then there's toad as well of course what's toad's thing i can't remember i should know i'm a toad fan it's the quickest Hmm. anyway (laughs) this is the last track for this particular sound of play we covered the super mario brothers series some time ago not all of it because we've still got some sort of spin-off titles and sub-series to come back to someday but we covered the super mario brothers series as in the first three super mario brothers games way back in Kano rint's podcast issue 109 that includes a bit of super mario brothers 2 and yeah this end theme with its dedication from retro clarence uh is the ideal way to close the show i like to end with a the closing theme sometimes it seems to seems to work well so i'll leave you with the ending theme by koji kondo from super mario brothers 2 and take care and we'll see you soon on sound of play